welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Executive Appeal. And yes, you guessed it. Today, today is a good day. Today, I have with me another phenomenal guest that I was able to meet via another guest. Like we're just creating this really great circle of love here. And I'm so glad that all of you can be a, a part of this circle of love. So today's guest, Mr. Wes Michael. See, he started off at General Mills. Um, but you know what? He's like that. Nah. Now, my, my story's not going to end here. So then he went on to McCormick to serve as a leader there. And he was like, you know what? This is nice. The, the air's nice up here, but this is not where my story's going to end. He continued to rise up, becoming an, uh, an executive vice president at Cantar Health, continued to move throughout his career. Ultimately, he has become the president of Rare Patient Voice, which is a phenomenal organization that we're going to learn a little more about today. But again, it, he took this organization and has grown it from being based in the U.S. to, to Canada, to, to the United Kingdom, to Spain, to Italy, to France. And the list goes on and on. So I cannot tell you just how excited I am to talk to this man today. How are you doing, kind sir? I am doing great. It's great to it's great to take a break from the regular work day and have a nice conversation. Oh, 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 you. You, you, no, we're not doing that. This, this is about to be work. We're, 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 we're diving in. This is about to be work. There's no oh, break well. here. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, I, I want to. I just want to start off with a super simple, literally, seriously, a super simple uh, a softball question for the audience who does not know about Rare Patient Voice. What is this organization, and how did you end up there? All right. So um, we are. Uh, one way to think of us is we call it a market research firm, but we're a very specific and special firm. We give patients and caregivers, and when I say caregivers, I'm talking about the family members, uh, you know, parents of kids with a disease or, or children of an adult with Alzheimer's, whatever it might be. We give patients and caregivers the chance to share their opinions, to share their voice through doing surveys, through doing interviews. Uh, so we're like the matchmaker. We, we, um, we meet all these patients and caregivers and they join us. And then we get requests all the time from companies that work in the pharmaceutical and life sciences and devices and academics that want to talk to people with certain conditions and diseases. And we, we match them up. So it's a, it's a, real, it's a very simple concept. But uh, it turns out there's a great demand uh, for companies the, to talk to people and patients love it. Somebody finally cares. Somebody wants to listen to what they have to say. They get their voices heard. Believe me, they're like, oh, I've been waiting to tell somebody. And then we pay them for it. So it's like a real win-win. They get compensated and they, uh, and they get you know, to, to, to tell folks. And that helps companies, guess what? Improve. Improve products and services. Come out with things. Not just that with, physicians are important. They all talk to physicians, but we, we give them the patient's voice. They need to hear about the people that actually use medications or devices, right? Uh, what do they want to see in it? How, how do they want things changed? How is their life? How is it affected? Everything and anything. So that's it in a nutshell. We'll probably talk in more detail about it. And how I got here, I founded this company. Um, I, had the, I got the idea 20 some years ago. 
you know how these things, you probably, a lot of the folks you talk to, you never know where your ideas are going to come from. Mm-hmm. I was working in the market research field and a client came to us and said, um, they, were, they were in the hemophilia space and the very few people with hemophilia and their treatments, thank God, work, work quite well now. Um, but they wanted to find out better how to market them, how, what people thought, what, what they could do. They said, can you build us a panel, a group of people with hemophilia so that throughout the year we can do interviews and surveys and learn more from them? And we built that. We went to what's called the National Hemophilia Foundation, big conferences every year. This was pre-internet. We're there with clipboards and pens and, and tchotchkes, right? You're handing out little gifts. People signed up, said, this sounds like a good idea. And it worked well. And we did interviews for them. Well, that was fine. I didn't really think much of it. But two or three years later, because every year we'd go back to that conference, right? To recruit more people. A different company came up to me and said, hey, we hear you There's have this wonderful panel of people with hemophilia. And we access it. I'm like, well, no, it's you know, a different company paid for it and bought it, right? You can't just give it away to somebody else. But it got me thinking, hey, wait a minute. Why not create one that's not just proprietary one company and have people be able to work on surveys throughout lots of different uh, companies, and for that matter, different diseases and conditions. So I had that. I would talk to my wife and say, someday I had this idea. I don't know if she took me seriously or not. Uh, and, then, and then everything came together for me again. I had to be pushed to do something, right? Uh, I, you probably tell people to plan and do it and think of it. I, I was just coasting along doing fun things and uh, everything came together for me. I was working for a company that had a little cash flow issue and it, and it said, they said, came to me and said, how about if we don't pay you for the next few months and then we'll, we'll figure things out you know, after, after that, see what you sell. And my wife had been out of the workforce for 10 years or more raising our kids and she was ready to start another job. She was looking around. Well, all that happened at once and a job fell under her hands locally that had healthcare, right? It's all about the healthcare. And, um, and I said, okay, if they're not going to pay me to the place, there's something else I'd rather do, right? If I'm not getting paid, I might as well do what I want to do. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I started it. And guess what I did? The first thing I did was after, you know, figuring all the stuff you have to do to start a company, I said, let me go back to the human media conference because I know how to do that. I did it before. I knew there was a lot of interest and boom, that was the first thing we did. And, and, and I knew it was going to work because on my way out to the Cal, this, it was in Disneyland in Anaheim, right? So on my way out there, I got a call from somebody. We just started the company. I didn't really have anything to sell yet, but I, you know, I had the name and I had a website. And um, guy says, hey, we're, we're doing a hemophilia study. And we've tried for a month and we can't find these people. Can you help us? And I said, no, but by the end of the weekend, I'll be able to. So I went out there. We recruited over 100 people. Boom. That was the start. And so um, I, I, I did that. Who knew? Even when I started, I thought, well, maybe it's just going to be me and maybe I'm just going to do a few hemophilia projects. Well, no, over the years, it's, we've got 700 and some diseases covered. We've gotten done 7,000 some projects. Uh, we have a 20 or so full-time people, another 20 or so part-time. And most proud of, we paid patients over $9 million for taking part in surveys. So, so win-win, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wes, it's a, th- this is why I was so interested in having a conversation with you. Because one, you've made so many really great points. I want to see if we can pick up on all of them as we sure. keep going. Um, the first is you've been playing with this idea, or you had been playing with the idea for about twenty odd years yeah. before you before you took it on. Um, I I think that's an interesting thing because I, I think about this 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 new program I just started doing for companies. Well, we have the Executive Pill podcast, but now we also I also offer Executive Pill events, right? So I actually do live events for for companies to help them develop their um, their leaders and develop a pipeline. Yeah. 
but it was funny though. It's like, yeah, I launched it, but I had been thinking about doing something like this for about five or six yeah, years it, prior. It, it germinates, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I love to see, like, how do you, how do you keep hold of those ideas? Cause a lot of leaders out there, they have an idea, but maybe they're not in the right place, the right time. They don't have the resource. Yeah. Like, how did you keep that idea with you in your back pocket versus just forgetting about it? Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I always say, write things down because otherwise I forget, but I didn't, I don't think I wrote this down. I think it was just, I, the good news was, I think I was reminded from time to time because mm-hmm. over the years I was constantly doing more patient work and, um, and hemophilia for that matter. And so it, it reminded me of, about the, the, uh, the idea. Uh, and it wasn't the, in the forefront of my mind because I remember I got, got at that point from, with that company that said, hey, how about if we don't pay for your months? And I said, well, let me apply for some other jobs. And, you know, at that time, I was in my mid-50s and uh, I'm sure there's such a thing as age discrimination. You just don't hear back. You know, your, your resume is going to a black hole. I'm like, I don't need, I'm not waiting around for these people. Yeah, gonna, yeah. And then, then somehow it popped into my head. Wait a minute. Now's the time to do my idea. Um, so, um, but it, you're, you're getting a good point. How many people have these and kind of lose them all? You don't, you don't want to lose them. You need to have, you need to have a folder somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Where you say ideas <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it will never be exactly what you write down, but it might be some, right. Some permutation of the idea or some combination or, or somebody else might come to you and you can, you can help them with it. I, I don't know, but that's the thing. Don't, don't lose track of these things. Um, I'm just fortunate that it kind of, it popped up back into my head as necessary. And, and, and then again, I'm, I'm just going to keep going down this, this, this yeah, storyline yeah, yeah. that you provided. And then you had an opportunity and you were, they were like, Hey, can you have it by this? You have a, a list of people right now. You're like, I'll have it by the end of the week. Yeah. How many people would have just said, no, sorry, I'm not ready. Um, you know, maybe, maybe God just didn't have this for me right now, or maybe the world, the right, universe right. would, you know, maybe that, that wasn't the opportunity because I don't, I'm not ready. I'm not situated. You didn't take that approach. You said, yeah. Well, 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 out. The good news was I wasn't just pulling it out of the air. I had done it before and I knew, I knew I could, I knew I could find it. Right. So, but it, the whole thing, you know, the, you're right. It's funny. There's, um, in a way, you can break the population down into two groups. A lot of people are like, "I'm not sure." Wait, wait a minute. This could be a problem. And then there's some people too much on the other extreme, right? They're promising anything and they can't deliver. So that's not necessarily <laughs> good either. But you want to have some confidence that we'll figure this right. I, I, you know, years as you pointed, out, I worked for McCormick, the spice company, and they they had one saying they had up on the wall was, um, uh, "Something." How did it go? Nothing happens until the sale is made. In other words, somebody sells something, you'll figure out how to deliver it. You know, don't don't be afraid to get a little bit ahead of what you know you can deliver. And you don't want to get too far ahead, Mm -hmm. right? But but if you just, I mean, that's happened with us. I mean, we've had, um, you know, any growing company, um, you can't always keep up with the growth. And so that's, and you can't hire, I try to explain this to a lot of our younger, younger folks, you can't just hire way ahead of the curve. There's something mm-hmm. called cash flow, you know? So <laughs> uh, you, you kind of have to prove it. And then do it. And, and every time I hired somebody, I said, no, we've got a lot of demand here. But if we don't, I hate to have to let you go. And it's, it's never happened, but you don't want to get too far ahead of it. So some people would say, well, can we tell the clients no, that we can't help them on this project? And I'm like, well, we're not promising them things we can't do, but 
we've already given them a bit a month ago. We can't say, yeah, a month ago we said, fine. And now we're saying we're too busy. We've got to figure it out. Doesn't mean we can't say it's going to take an extra day. I mean, we yeah. can be honest about it, but uh, you have to, you have to go a little bit out on a limb and you got, you, you, and, and, and it's great. And it'll drive you, right. It'll, because all of a sudden, because it's the clients telling you what they want. There's, there's no better market research than that. <laughs> they want it. They want to pay for it. Let's figure out how to do it. I, I love to hear. <laughs> no, there's no better market research. Um, they're literally saying we want this. Um, I, I love it. I love it. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. So I, I'd love to hear, do you have any idea of what those, those components, those considerations that you have when you're making a decision, whether, you know what, yes, this is a far enough limb that we can still make it, or no, that's way too far. Like, do, do you have an idea of what considerations you, you think about when you're making those decisions? Um, I, I, one of ours is you know, the clients come to us all the time and say, can we have hundred patients with this disease or 10? And uh, the good news is, and from the very start, I said, I'm not going to promise something that I can't deliver. And the night before I won't be able to sleep. I'm going to be very, very honest. So what we do is say somebody comes to us and wants hundred people with certain disease. And, and, and we're, we look at how many we have and what their specifications are. And if I go through all that, well, not me now, but was me now our, our good team goes through that and says, you know, we can only give them 75. We'll be very honest with them. And we'll say, um, Hey, based on what you're saying, we're 75. We want to tell you that now because you may need to pull another partner and we don't want to wait till the very end. not do it. In the meantime, we'll try to find more because we love that. It gives us mm-hmm. a chance to go out and say, Hey, if you qualify, it helps us grow our panel. It's like yeah. the clients are paying us to help grow our panel. What could be better than that? So I felt like, um, so we're basing it on the actual data that we have. We're mm-hmm. saying, here's what we can do. And, and, and we're not going too far out, but we're, we're stretching ourselves to, to meet it. So I, I hate to just base it on nothing. But if I have that, I'm fully confident. I know, you know, we've done enough projects. We know about how many, how many we can get and how long it'll take, et cetera, et cetera. We're not always 100% right, but we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty good. We're be- we know better than anybody else what we can do. I hear, I hear two main themes in what you just shared. One is transparency, um, having that degree of transparency um, of what you can and cannot do. Right. I, so yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And the other you said, hey, we, we've done this stuff before. Yeah. You know, we, we, we know our capacity, which for me, that means in order for people to feel more and more comfortable going out on that ledge, you kind of got to go out on that ledge more often. Yeah. So you can yeah, know what like you can it. do. Right. If you, if, yeah, if you don't do anything, you'll never know. If you do, you do start doing stuff, you learn. And boy, you know, you learn quickly when you make a mistake and that's, that's fine. But um, yeah, I know from time to time, we'd have a client come to us and tell us, 
that's not how this works. What I, I like to say is, you know, you know, treat your clients very respectfully and, you know, they're the source of your business and they're, they're wonderful. But oftentimes I'll say, look, we've done X thousand of these. Yeah. This is, I, this is how it works. You know, don't, don't tell us they're acting like we're, it, it's an exception. It's like, no, 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 no. Or we're, we're telling them there's an exception. It's like, we do this more often than you do. So don't tell us. I mean, again, say it in a nice way. But, oh, yeah. but it gives you confidence. Um, and that's what I tell our people. It's like, hey, nobody knows more about this than us. So don't be snowed by somebody that tries to say that there's a different. We might learn from them. We might learn new things. It's always, mm-hmm. always great to listen. But don't get, we don't, don't get pushed around by somebody that tells, don't, tells you we don't know what we're doing. I like that. I like that because, okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep pulling that thread. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I've, I've also been in those situations where someone may be pushing me to do a particular way because that's how they've always done it. And from my experience, I'm like, well, that's not the only way. Um, but the reality is that that takes a degree of confidence to be able to push back on someone. Um, do you have any ideas? What are your thoughts on how people can build that resilience, that, that confidence that, that they don't just get mowed over, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think some of it is people's innate personality and you just got to build it over time. The, the other thing is, um, it's like in a negotiation, people tend to think the other guy's got more power than he does. Mm. It's like this, you tend to think this client, they're doing this or that, or they're these, they're just people. A lot of them, they don't know what. So don't be overly impressed uh, with them or and, 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 and be impressed. Realize what you have is something that's, you know, because you, you might take it for granted. So part of it is just building. Your, it's like, OK, they're saying all this stuff. But I mean, I don't know how many times early on we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't do this. They're giving us something that's beyond. The, we can't program it, but we could do this, that and the other. We went to the client and said, hey, look, we can take it this far, but but we can't. And they said, oh, that's fine. We'll get this other company to do this. They, you know, they, they had no problem. Or sometimes you'll say it and a company will say, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> but more often than not, uh, any issues or fears you have, um, they recognize and they're, they're, they're happy. Most of the people are happy that they much rather you raise it early, right, mm-hmm. than later. I always say, give bad news early. Don't wait and say, maybe, maybe. Tell them early, early, early. Say, the earlier they know it, the earlier they can try something else or do something and, and it gets it off your chest because then you stop worrying about it. And most of the time it turns out it's not a big issue, it's big in your head, right? It's not, but it's not really big. I, I'm going to share some advice I was given that is completely inappropriate. Um, <laughs> so I hope I don't get myself in trouble. Um, <laughs> um, a supervisor I once worked for, and when I started working for him, I, I've learned so much from this, this person. Um, I, the first thing he brought me in office, he said, look, if anything goes wrong, you let me know. We can fix it. We can fix anything that goes wrong. But if someone dies, we can still fix it. Just takes more paperwork. And so, <laughs> so and I know, not a great, I understand where it is. But the point is what you're saying is like, don't hide things when things are going wrong. Or if you know, if you right. know you're not going to be able to meet something, don't hide it because ultimately you're going to have to deal with it. Someone's got to deal with it and you might as well provide them with the information. It's much a smaller problem earlier, mm-hmm. earlier, earlier than later. Uh, well, that, that'd be my, something I always I tell a team. I mean, we're dealing with healthcare situations and that's really important to people. So I said, but we're not, 
Our work isn't life and death. We're not saving lives this minute. So every once in a while, a clown will be, if this doesn't happen today, it's the end of the world. It's like, actually, it's not. <laughs> um, and we usually, you know how in our business, here we are uh, recording on Friday afternoon. It's always late on a Friday that a client comes. We need to <laughs> this study today. And I can tell you why they're saying, from my experience, they're saying because somebody along the way promised it would be long that week. And they want to be able to say, yes, it got out that week. Mm-hmm. That's not the question they should ask. So they should be asking, how soon will we have the results? That's what you care. You don't care when it goes out. You care when it comes back. And so I would say, look, if we force it out at the end of the day with errors, and it's out on the weekend without any supervision. That's not a good situation. We can go out first thing Monday, and believe me, we get results much faster than you think. We'll, 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 we'll have it on time and in higher quality. So, so don't just because somebody said they somebody made a promise, mm-hmm. and it's the end of the week, and they, you know. So, <laughs> look, I'm with you. I, <laughs> I've dealt with that, and it, it, I on. And, to be completely honest, I've also been on the other side of that because um, I used to work in the government and yeah. in my programs, there were times where, you know, um, people, oh, I want to I bring this up. OK, great. OK, I'm going to scratch that example. I want to throw an I want to throw a question at you because this popped in my head. OK. okay. So um, back when I worked as the chief of staff, uh, one of the chief of staff in the National Park Service, um, I I had someone reaching out to me and they needed something to be done. They wanted it done by uh, a response by a particular date or they were going to move forward without us. I prior to then, I haven't. Uh, my background is I get things done. I have, I'm a problem solver. If something comes to me, it will get done, period. And that's the, the brand I've created around me when I was, when I was working in those spaces. Um, and I, I kept trying to push everyone. Hey, look. The time's run out, the time's run out, time's run out. And everyone kept reprioritizing it, pushing it down. It was, oh, maybe next, tomorrow we'll respond. And then finally, it got down to literally hours before that deadline. Okay. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm responding. I responded. Uh, about an hour after I responded, my supervisor at the time uh, reached out to me and was like, hey, uh, come, come, come sit down with me real quick. And I was like, yeah. He said, um, I see you responded to this. He said, uh, yeah, why? Well, because there's a deadline need to get done, but, but I told you I wasn't ready yet, but, but the deadline, the supervisor was extremely upset, not, not upset, like crying, like mad, like pissed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that made me feel like, made me feel horrible. And I, I'm blessed because I have mentors to go and have a conversation with them. Like, Look, you know, if you want to be an executive, if you want to be a leader at some point, you're going to make these calls. Sometimes you're going to be right. Sometimes you'll be wrong on this one. You are wrong. But working for this leader taught me one of the greatest things that I hadn't learned up to that point. Not everything gets done. And I love to ask you, because I've run into so many people, um, so many leaders who have this feeling like everything has to get done. If I got to work on the weekend, if I got to work while I'm sick, if whatever it is, I got to get it done because it needs to be done. How do you, one, I assume for you, um, you know, you can't get everything done, but how do you teach that to the people who work for you now that you're the president of this organization? Yeah, it's, um, cause I've been there, right. It's like, I don't know how many weekends I would say I, this report has to go out and it's boom, boom, boom. And you're working 24 seven and, and, and you get it out. Um, and, 
I think I think with 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 our group again, it's it's um, a lot of people have come to us as one of their first jobs, so they haven't seen uh, you know how the world works in a lot of other ways, and so we're you know so I'm like look here here's the uh, here's what they're saying. Uh, there's X amount we can get done, and we have to do a good job because we don't be don't let them rush you into doing something bad because today they'll say that deadline is important, but believe me, I've seen it. Too many times, if it's not right, nobody will say after the fact, um, oh, I know we pushed your time. They'll just say it was done wrong. They will never, you know, they'll mm-hmm. never do it wrong because they're pushing you. Um, it, you, you. They'll never forgive you. And, you, you know, so you have to push back on them and just say, hey, we, we've got to make it done right. And the other thing is, again, I've been around long enough. To, I, yeah, I used to believe all those deadlines were real. And I've learned mm-hmm. how many times did you... Rush, rush, rush. This needs to be in Friday at noon. And you do it and you don't hear for a few days and you find out the person's away for the whole next week. They just wanted it in <laughs> on their desk when they came back, right? They kind of arbitrarily selected a date. And deadlines are important, right? That we work towards deadlines, but but you can negotiate, you can talk to them, you can let them know. Uh, and and then I, 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 was, I was fortunate to see some people that I worked for when we were going crazy working on projects. And then the second one was right on top of the first one. And the, the head person talked to the head person said, Hey, uh, we're going to need a little bit more time. And the other person said, "Sure." And I, I was like, "Well, I never knew you could do that. I thought you just uh, were just going to have to figure out how to get it done in no time." But uh, the the interesting thing is, right? The higher you go up in the organizations, the more people um, are. You can talk to them about those things. The, sometimes down low, they're, "Oh my God, it's a given. It has to be this, and there's no choice." The higher you go up, the people they see more of the alternative, and you can have a conversation about it. Oh. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a valid point. I, I know, I know for me, as I rose up the, the leadership ranks, I knew that in the beginning, I, I said, I, I would always hit it, had to hit it, had to hit it. Um, but then as you said, the more experience I became, I, I began to understand that, um, one deadlines can be negotiated, but two, not all deadlines are dead are actual deadlines. Yeah, yeah. Right. And for me, my own practice, when I tell someone I need something, I'll literally tell them, um, COB, uh, or midnight on Tuesday. If I, I'm not going to tell them five o'clock cause I don't really, I'm not going to read it after so five read it at 7 <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to be respectful, but to your point, like that is something that you ha- I think you is, it's essential to learn as a leader is, you know, how to negotiate deadlines, how to push back. I mean, you know, you're not going to get it done. It's not going to be high quality. How do you push back? But then, um, uh, honestly, you know, there are just times where, again, working at that park I worked at, there just was not enough time, resources, and people to get everything done. Uh-huh. So something was not going to get done and you had to prioritize. And that's, that is what I, I learned in that role. And I, and I, I want, and, and I think so many people need to also learn, like sometimes everything is important, but you just don't have the time or resources right. to get everything done. And, and as much as possible, have someone help you with that decision. Have the client. Mm-hmm. If you're making, you might prioritize the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Or your boss or your client or something. Say, look, this is the, because I remember way back, I was a lowly person at, I guess it was at General Mills many years ago. And there was somebody that was in some department that was tough to get along with it. And it was like, she wanted something. And, and it's like, she struck my nerve. I just said, I can't click my fingers and make it happen. You know? <laughs> physically and she after that she always treated me much better 
So you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, the, the, you know, sometimes sometimes they're playing you. The other thing that that that's helped me in that regard is, fortunately, I've been on both sides of the thing. Mm-hmm. I've been at what we call the client side. You know, the McCormick's, the General Mills, where you were working mm-hmm. with the research companies, and I've been with the research companies. And now those research companies are clients. So I'm, I'm again, I'm not snowed by. I, I know what's going on at, at both sides. So it's like <laughs> I can picture it. So I'm a little bit more like. Is this, you know, and, and more often than not, I can guess, guess what the situation is. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. Well, again, you you made a reference I want to pick up on. You said, you know, I can't snap my finger and make something happen. Hold on, let me do that. The mics would be wouldn't hear me snap them. One second. <laughs> there it goes. Okay. <laughs> snap my finger and make it happen. Um, I love to talk to you now about if your general demeanor is super nice, super flexible, you know, you're just the, the one that everyone loves. Um, can you, how do you, can you and how do you be an effective leader? Yeah. Or do you, do you have to have those moments where people know you're mad? Do you have to have those moments where you're, where you raise your voice um, to, to differentiate when you're serious, when you're not serious? Like, can you be the, the happy go lucky? leader? Is there some changes you got to make every once in a while? That's a good question. And and if anything, um, I'm not, I'm not the best at that because I I do want people to be happy and I don't want to be that nasty guy. But yeah, but for some, I know personally, sometimes I just can't, can't help it. If something goes over the edge, I'll I'll snap a bit. And I, I I never try to be, there's one guy that works for me and he can be loud and I can be loud. And and when we're in the work from home <laughs> environment, my wife would say, I heard you guys yelling. Are you okay? And we're just, we just get loud. We're, we're, we love each other. <laughs> but I, I always make sure I tell them that. Well, I love you. You know, this is not. Uh, and, and he was one. He was one um, early in his career. He started working. And um, I remember getting on the phone with him one day or the teams or whatever we were. And he was, oh, this is that. And that I thought he was going to quit. I thought, oh, this guy's having a bad time. This sounds terrible. And I said, you're going to quit. He says, no, I love my job. It's <laughs> just how people express themselves. You know, they, they can, they can fool you. And he's still with us. He's been with us from the very beginning. So, um, so yeah, sometimes uh, I don't, it's not really planned with me, but sometimes I get to the edge and people can probably hear it in my voice. And I'm like, and, 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 and if I think I've gone a little too far, I try to afterwards say, no, no, the real, you know, mm-hmm, apologize mm-hmm. for that. But, I think that could be helpful. I'm not one. Some people love to flat all the F words and everything in these meetings and, and make it look like, well, this is really important. And that may be their style. And I've worked for people that it's, that's not me. And I, 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 I rather, I'd rather not do all that stuff. And I, you know, it's different, different ways to do it. I'm sure. See, um, you know, for me, again, I would say earlier in my career, I, I had the opportunity to learn um, because for a long, a long span of my career, Give my age, whatever long is, right? <laughs> um, what's called? Um, I was blessed to work around a lot of people who are like super go getters, like super autonomous. 
They made sure things got done. Um, you really didn't say anything to them. Like it was just really, really great. Um, and then, and that allowed me to be super shit, like this, a good fun guy all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I ended up working in a situation where I was supervising a, another place where people didn't get things done and people um, needed you to, to be on top of them more or sorry, yeah. Yeah, to, to, to be, be in, let's call it, be more engaging with your leadership. Right, right, um, right. And that was, that was a difficult transition for me. Cause I, again, I, I used to, I, I, for so long, I was just able to trust that things would get done. Right. And, and in this situation, I had to check in so much more and it, it made me think, um, it made me think about leadership skills. One of the things I teach in, in one of my talks about leadership perception is that leadership is contextual. Um, you could be a phenomenal leader in this organization at this time, because that's exactly what they need. That's what they want. Your strengths are exactly as an asset for that organization. But if you move somewhere else, you could be a horrible leader because they don't want that type of leadership style. They don't right, right. need those assets and so on and so forth. Right, so I'd right. love to just kind of sit that on the table and hear any response, you, reaction you may have. Yeah, no, it, it, it certainly, it, it depends on the person. You got to be aware. I, I had um, two opposite examples. One uh, years ago, uh, McCormick, a, a bright young guy we hired, and he's since gone on to be very successful. I've, I've seen him since, but at the time, he thought he was so bright that he didn't need to write it right down. We'd be meeting with an internal client and you're okay, we're gonna do this, 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 and this. And he didn't write it down. And then it wouldn't happen. I'm like, you gotta write it down. And then I sometimes he'd be there and he wouldn't I'd look at him and go, write it down, write it down. Because it's if you can prove you can do it without writing down, fine. But he proved to me that he couldn't always do it. So uh, and then uh that particular one, I had a really good boss at that time, uh, who's over the over a couple of years, she goes, You gotta get rid of him. I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, He's taking up all your time. I'm like, good point. I have all these other people. You know, you've got to look at what's the fair amount. Somebody doesn't deserve all of your time because yeah. they're constantly needing this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I had another, a young woman who's also gone on to be very successful. She was right out of school. It's funny. Uh, I, I got into the job working market research, and all of a sudden, it was 24 seven. It was, it was very exciting, but it was, I, it was just too much. I said, well, if it goes on like this for a year, I'm not going to be able to do it. But. Uh, the, the company hired somebody for me right out of school. And in my mind, I'm thinking, she's not going to be my But she was terrific. It's it just personality, learning, work. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I remember having to hold her back once. One time she got on the phone with a client and, and talked about pricing. I'm like, she goes, that's right. You're supposed to approve the pricing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, and believe me, I'd much rather have that person, the terrific one that you have to pull back a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And the other one, just like, write it down. You know, you know, you do, but, but there are both types and, and, you know, you don't, don't assume every one's the same. The mm -hmm. uh, uh, one guy uh, that was the head of a, our division many years ago uh, said, you know, his, the biggest learning he had when he was fairly young in his career was not everybody's the same. I mean, it sounds so obvious. Uh. You start, you're thinking, what? You know who you are. Mm -hmm. People are like that. And it's a big learning to find out there's, there are people like that. So good to keep that in mind. There's people that are completely different. Yeah. 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 They're not all the same. Uh, and again, so basic, but you know, you got to learn it. <laughs> you, you know, again, that was another challenge I had earlier on in my career was the fact that I, I want my product to have high quality all the time. Yeah. And I'm willing to put in the effort to make sure whatever I do 
has that quality. Um, and what I realized is that not everyone around you right. has the same expectations or the same definition of high quality as you. And so when you're pushing them sometimes, they're like, get off my back. And I'm like, no, like, but we can do this better and do this better. We can tweak it here. Yeah. And again, just realizing, like you said, not everyone is on that same level and you can't, and I'm not sure you can feel free to weigh in as a leader. Um, I'm not sure. Can you, can you hold your employees accountable to, for being at that 11 level, 11 out of 10 level? I, mean, I know it's, it's tough. I mean, ideally, well, first of all, I think you have to learn to give a little bit and realize that you can't necessarily have everything at that level. That's not, that's not easy. But on the other hand, I think in general, you should, you should be able to put in a system that motivates people um, to do to, to to get there as much as possible. Without you, you know, you don't want to be there with a whip. You want them to think, mm -hmm. okay, oh, that's it, right. We get the customers. We ask, like, we ask at the end of every study, we ask our clients, how did it go? How was the proposal? How was the project? Three or four real simple ones, and how would they rate the project? And my favorite part, an open the open end, because I love to get these nines and these tens and such. Uh, and I actually love it when it's a low score and we learn something. Every once in a while, there's an issue. Like, oh, wait a minute. That's a good point. But mm -hmm. I love the open end. And then we read them. Every month, we have a, 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 an all-hands meeting. Everybody, we're, Of course, we're all remote, so we're all on our Zoom call. But I love reading those um, uh, and have people's names. Hey, so-and-so did a great job. Hey, because they'll, they'll name the project manager and they'll say, hey, you did a great job. Uh, this and And... I think that motivates people because they say, oh, yeah, you know, people are getting uh, kudos for uh, special, you know, making sure their communication is really good with the client or whatever it might be. And so everybody sees that. And everybody wants to be the one mentioned at the meeting. Right. Everybody wants to, every, you know, mm -hmm. it gets back to right. Everybody wants to do a good job. Some people might yeah. want to be willing to work harder or might have more natural talents. But nobody wants to do a bad job. So, um, though, though, I did have we did have a guy once. And uh, he worked and uh, we had some issues and we talked to him and he was said, OK, I'll bear, I'll bear down and do this. And then we still had some more issues. And finally, we had to let him go. And he's what he said to me when he let him go. I was so annoyed. He said, I'm not surprised. In other words, he knew he wasn't doing a good yeah. job at that point. It's like, yeah. And here and, you, and, you know, when you're letting somebody go, I lose sleep over that. This yeah. is important yeah. things where you, you, you don't do it lightly. You coach, mm -hmm. you do all this stuff. And here I'm doing that. And he's like. He must have, you know, was mailing it in by then. It's like, don't be doing that. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everyone, when you get if, if you get an opportunity, you can watch the the bad guys. It's a really it's an animated show, animated movie, but funny, but gets to the point. Everyone <laughs> wants to do good. Um, I I know we are our time is starting to come to a close, but I want to throw one sure. comment out there and then just hear your reaction to it if you have any. Um I just wanted to say thank you so much for the work, the research that you're doing, the work that you do, um, because there are so many um, diseases out there that because they're rare, uh, not not a lot of energy or or funding goes towards them because a lower right. number of people um, have them. So they just don't get the funding um, to help the people who do have them. Um, but also, I love that you also focus on the caretaker because yeah. whew, the caretakers. Um, I, my grandfather, um, had a severe stroke, um, shoot, it almost seemed like 10, 15, uh, 14, 10 years, 14, 15 years ago, he had, he had a severe stroke. Um, 
And my auntie took care of him for the rest of his life. And the same thing for my, my, my wife's um, father, he's been being taken care of by his wife for the last two years. Um, And there's so much energy that goes into being a caretaker, but it, it feels like they're not always given the, the, the resources, the kudos, the support that they deserve, you know? No, I mean, uh, that is so important. I mean, and there's so many different, different types because we talk to moms of kids that have, might have a rare disease that changes the whole family's life. All of a sudden they're going to hospital. Mm. They may even move to be closer to a specialist care center. And more often than not, it's funny, the examples you mentioned, who's the caregiver? Female, more often than not, not always. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it, yeah but it yeah. tends to fall now. But women, highly, I remember there was one, she was like a Harvard MBA. She basically gave up her career because her kid is 24 7. And uh, so it, it's amazing what, how that affects folks. And it not only affects, uh, you know, if, again, think of a child with a disease. Guess who it also affects? His brothers and sisters don't have it. But all of a sudden, their life is thrown into an uproar. Mm. So these people, more and more people are recognizing this, I think, because they, they, they need help on so many different different levels. But it's it's uh, such a burden. My my uh, my wife's mom uh, was in dialysis, and her her dad took, and it was just a physical burden was so because you know you're yeah. moving people, yeah. moving them, mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. Let alone the mental. And hey, if it was a heavy snow day, he had to figure out how to get the car out because you've got to get the dialysis. And uh, it, it, it's 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 amazing what uh, people do. I mean. As you can imagine, we meet patients and caregivers all the time for all these different diseases. I'm so amazed at what people do. I always, always say, boy, if I had that, could I be? And then I remember they, they weren't just diagnosed today. They've had and they've come to terms with it and they're putting their energy and they're fighting it. But it's, it's, it's amazing the energy that the people have to, to do this, to fight these things. Uh, I'm just so, so impressed with people because every, every disease is worse than the one before. I mean, there's so so many mm-hmm. things. Now, thank mm-hmm. God we're making a lot of progress. I always tell people, we got all these survey requests. Guess what? Nobody's doing those surveys for fun. They're doing it because they have a new treatment. They have something. It may be a little bit better. It may be a lot better, but somebody's making some, working on some kind of an improvement. So I say, when we have it, that's good news. It's good news when we have it. Somebody's doing something. And that's all you can ask. Get the experts involved, get them working, get them, get, get the patient's opinions, but uh, keep making, because there's like 7,000 rare diseases and you than the 10% have, have treatments and, uh, you know, but we're step by step, we've made some progress. Uh, I, I hope I don't put my foot in my mouth and provide any bad advice when I say this. Um, but I I'll, I'll speak, I'll speak personally, um, for my auntie, for my mother-in-law, um, you need rest. Yeah. Um, so much, so you need to take care much. of yourself as well yes. as patient, because otherwise yes. everybody loses. And there's the guilt associated with, well, I don't feel right taking some time off or or going on a little vacation and doing this because they're here by themselves. They they can't be there too. It's not right. But I'm like, you, you need to refill your tank. Otherwise you go on E and no one, again, no one wins in that situation. Exactly. Exactly. Then everybody goes down. Yeah. So now yeah. it's so important, and it, but it's difficult. That's why there are some organizations out there that are really helping. Uh, but yeah, you need you need a backup. You need some. You need to. You need some other folks. You always always think that's more difficult than running companies, right? All this all this yeah. stuff we're talking about, it's running that, and because that's twenty four seven. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. turn off at all. 
uh, and somebody's there might be or an Alzheimer's patient that might have some problem in the middle of the night or, you know, so my heart goes out to those folks. So I just hope we're helping them a little bit. Um, Hey, thank you so much, Wes. I, I look. I know that you're supposed to be going to uh, do some operation, like a triple bypass. You're operating on somebody, or you're doing something really important in the, in the coming hours and, <laughs> and days. So I'm gonna I'm gonna open the floor to you. Is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up? Well, my my, my thing is is, is self serving, but it's also serving to the audience. If you or anyone you know has a condition a disease, whatever it might be, and not necessarily rare, but we're accepting everybody and everybody um, and, and would love to share their opinion. Uh, please, go, it's simple, rarepatientvoice.com. Just go to our website. There's, we, we try to be very transparent. Everything's there and we're happy to answer any questions that, that you have, but you can sign up. You can sign up as a caregiver. You can sign up as a patient and then we'll invite you to studies and you're free to do them or not to. We never share your name. Uh, confidentiality is super high important. All we do, and we don't sell you anything. All we do is send an email that matches your condition. Say, hey, if you're interested, there's a one-hour phone interview that pays $100 or a 30-minute online survey that pays whatever it might be. And so I just invite people, that they, they or they may know somebody that, hey, I know somebody that has diabetes that would be interested. Just spread the word because we're always interested in, uh, in having more people join and being able to take part. And that's what's made us. It's, it's, it's serving the patients that's, that's helped us grow and have a great group of employees and have a wonderful group of clients. Thank you so much, Wes. And I know everyone took something of value today because I know I took something of value from today's conversation. So you all know what I'm about to say. Don't look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in today's talk, don't keep it to yourself. Don't don't let that just sit on your heart, that that goodness, that warm feeling you're feeling right now. No, bring someone else to the table. Tell them you need to listen to the executive appeal today. Send the link, send the link to this specific video or click and click like, subscribe and comment. Please, please, please continue to engage with the show. We love to hear your ideas. And when you have someone you think we should uh, should interview, go on and put them in the, uh, the comment section. I'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, this is Alex Trimble from The Executive Pill. Stay strong, stay positive and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.